You're listening to Titans of the Trades. I'm your host, Ryan England, author of Hire Better People Faster and creator of the Corfit Hiring System, a proven process to help growing companies attract and retain only the best. I'm on a mission to revolutionize the perception of the trades and elevate it to new heights. After growing up in a blue collar family, my passion for making the trades cool again runs deep. If you're a Titan in the industry and want to be on my show, stick around until the end and I'll reveal how you can be my next guest. The thinking aspect of it is the most important part. The fact that it's on people's radars, the fact that we're talking about it, the fact that we know there's an underlying issue somewhere is probably the most valuable part. I'm a big advocate of the skilled trades and not having to have a college education to be successful either by your own terms or anybody else's. I've gotten some pushback on that, as you could probably imagine. But what I like to say is I'm not trying to discourage people from going to college. I'm trying to encourage the people that can't or don't want to because you can be equally or more successful than those going to college. But it really depends on you. We are talking about workforce development today. We are talking about what it takes to get the next generation of workers involved in the trades. And even if you're not in the trades, this applies to you because there is always going to be a generational divide. There is always going to be a shift in the marketplace. Today's guest has written a book called Blue is the New White. He is the owner and CEO of WCE, a refrigeration firm out here in Phoenix, Arizona. want to welcome to today's show, Josh Zolan. Hey, Josh. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you here again. Oh, Ryan, thank you very much for the invite. Always excited to uh, get a chance to talk to you, converse about what we converse about. Just really grateful to, to come on again. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's been a pleasure knowing you for the last couple of years. We got to do some work together. I got to read your book. That's what I want to talk about today. You know, it's no secret that people are struggling to hire technicians in the trades. And the focus, I think a lot of people are on, well, how do I get a skilled tech? How do I take someone from someone else? And how do I do that? Well, the problem is there's only so many techs to go around. Yeah. We as an industry have to come together and figure out what is it we can do to get the next generation, the generation after that excited about the trade. That's what your book is about. What do you see as the biggest thing holding people back right now? Like, why are we struggling? Why are we in this situation? (laughs) And that's a broad question. There's probably a hundred answers to that. Pick your favorite. So my favorite answer to that is probably just the awareness, the awareness and the perceptions that revolve around this industry. I've said it a thousand times before, and I'll say it again because it takes an army, right? They say all ships rise with the tide. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. We don't want to see the same technician bounce from company to company. And we all have this big revolving door where we pay a little bit more for him now. And then this one pays a little bit more. And then this one pays a little bit more. And then round and round we go. Mm -hmm. The whole industry, the only way we're going to benefit is by attracting new talent into it. My theory is imagine when you were 10 years old, you know, what did you want to be when you grew up? When Aunt Susan came, came over and squeezed you by the cheeks, right? And looked you right in the eye and said, what do you want to be when you grow up? What did you say? You know, and my point to the audience in this was they're all service managers and field service professionals and stuff like that. I said, who said service manager? Raise your hand. Yeah. Who said I wanted to be an operations specialist for a field service company? Raise your hand. No, <laughs> you didn't. And, and why is that? Right? Why did you want to be a baseball player? Why did you want to be an astronaut? Why did you want to be a fireman? Why hmm. did you want to be a, a rock star? It's because 
you've heard all of these incredible stories about these careers and these professions, and it resonates with you, and it's it makes you want to pursue that. The problem, I don't like to talk specifically about problems, but one of the problems you know that we have is that can you name one single story about a blue collar hero, right? About a skilled trades hero that you heard when you were a kid. And so I really put some thought and effort into this last talk because as I got to think about it, especially in the day and age that we live in with social media and everything else, stories are so important, right? We live in this transparent world and we're all saying the same thing. We're all expecting parents and counselors and teachers to help us. But at the end of the day, right, it's our responsibility as the people in these industries to tell our stories. Everybody has a story to tell. So yeah. I think that's the biggest thing that I see right now is not enough of us are sitting and explaining and telling people why we're fulfilled, why we consider ourselves successful and why it is that we're doing what we're doing. That uh, makes total sense. One of the things that I see a lot and I run into a lot is nobody wants to tell the new story. I see a lot of guys, especially these boomers that have been in the business for 30 years, and they're telling the story about what the industry was like 30 years ago. And that wasn't that attractive to the modern generation, like the current generation. And so they're not working on telling a new story. No, that's exactly right. What is your thoughts on this? I, I have some of my own opinions on this, but one of the things I think is we have, because we have really skipped a generation and you know, you gotta remember the millennials are no longer kids, right? They're, they're in their forties yeah. now, but I feel like the industry, just the trades in general, they, once knowledge work came around the last 20 years or so, we really took a back seat and said, we're not going to talk about us a whole lot anymore. Because if you want to work with your hands, this is what you're going to do. And so there's a lack of awareness. There's a lack of knowledge. But we also have a lot of parents thinking, no self-respecting kid of mine is going to go do that kind of work. What are your thoughts on that? Have you heard that? Have you run into that? Yeah, that's probably one of the biggest roadblocks that I have run into is that, listen, parents, they always want to do what's best for their children. Right. And, and sure. I admire them for that. I'm a parent. You're a parent. We understand this. The problem is not being able to recognize when you don't know what's best for your kids, because it is different today than it was 30 years ago. We didn't have the same safety equipment that we have. We didn't have the same opportunity that we have. We didn't have the same systems and processes and technology mm -hmm. 30 years ago that we have today. Right. And a yeah. lot of these careers are something to be desired now. We talk a lot about AI entering into the industry and robotics and automation and some of the cool stuff that's happening here, which is basically a blank canvas for anybody who wants to create the future for the skilled trades. And that's kind of that's kind of the new story. What can we turn this industry into? It's got all the potential in the world. You and I have had conversations, you know, about the impact of the skilled trades in the past. I mean, everything around us is a result of the trades. Absolutely. It's because of that, that it gets overlooked, right? It gets taken for granted. It's just here. It's just, it's always been here. It's always going to be here. That's people's thought process. But once they understand that they can change the world, they can make an impact in their society, in their community and whatever, by actually becoming part of the industries that build it and manufacture it. That's a different narrative. Yeah. You said community a couple of times and I think that there's, I don't want to say it's like a blatant disregard, but I do think there's a disregard to get involved in the community. 
Like if I own my own shop and I've got 15 trucks on the road and they're all wrapped and people see those trucks, if I'm not involved in the community, really what they're just seeing is they're just seeing another someone for hire. But I think that there's an opportunity to get involved at the local community, get involved in the schools and really be able to plug in and almost have that mindset of giving back, care of the community for the next generation. What are some of the thoughts? What are some of the things that you've done or that you've seen work well for people in that space? That's an interesting question. One that I haven't been asked enough, to be honest. So thank you (laughs) for that. And let me start by saying, I think that there is a barrier there with some of the older thought processes and maybe even some of the smaller businesses, because basically what you're saying is investing your time in the community, right? And time is money. And that's how people think of things. They don't think of necessarily the ROI. They think of the cost in a situation like this, because it's a soft ROI. You can't physically see the income from it. And it and, and makes it difficult when you're a small business. But I would argue, to your point, that the ROI of being ingrained in the community is astronomical because mm. of exactly what you said, people being able to see you and your company and what you're doing and being a part of the day-to-day operations of just society. That's way different than seeing a business from afar. We try our best to stay connected to the community we take care of some small, smaller customers whenever they have events or something like that. We really try to help sponsor or send technicians or make sure we have somebody available to help with whatever it is that they're doing from a community standpoint, because usually that's what it is. We do a lot of charitable stuff, especially as of late. Uh, we do a lot with like the Make-A-Wish Foundation for kids. Mm. We do a lot with a company called the uh, the Compassion Alliance, which is a local company, again, focused on community, Compassion Alliance focuses on trauma for first responders, paramedics, firefighters, police officers, that kind of stuff. And our thought process in that is that we have these incredible people serving us, serving our community, serving our society, but who's there to serve them? Mm. Stuff like that, I think, can really help make it feel like you have a connection to either the hometown or wherever it is that you're operating. And people see that, people recognize that, and And people appreciate that. And over time, it compounds, right? Over time, you become looked at as more than just that company with the wrap trucks that you see driving on the road. Yeah. People look at you and you say, oh, that's WCE. That company helped out my buddy who's a fireman. I think that's great. I love the examples too. And just because the compassion organization that you're talking about is local doesn't mean that there aren't other local groups you can get involved in. I think it's great for visibility. And here's the cool thing. We're talking about getting people interested in the trades, awareness in the trades, that kind of stuff. But when you get involved in the community effort, like you're talking about, that's going to help you on the customer acquisition side. It's going to help you on the customer retention side. That big name, big box competition comes into town and people are going to be like, no, I support the guy that supports the local community. Absolutely. And the same is true for recruiting too, especially in this generation. People will see that and People want to be a part of that. That's a a big value that we talk about with the up and coming generations is being able to feel like they've contributed in that way. So what better way to do that than being a part of an organization that can further support it? So that's a great way to get involved in the community, plug in with the parents, get some awareness out there. But I know you are super passionate about working with the schools as well. What does that look like? What are opportunities that exist for people to partner with their local school? I know that shop programs and that kind of stuff have pretty much gone away. Yeah. So what are the opportunities? What does that look like? What do you see working for you and and some of the people that have 
read your book and kind of thinking this way. Yeah. Well, like anything else in life, it takes effort because we don't have shop classes anymore. I mean, and our CTE and vocational programs are becoming more and more limited Mm -hmm. and it varies state by state and region by region, but the opportunities are still there. It just takes manual outreach. That's what's worked Mm -hmm. for me is being able to go to these schools, find the, the correct contact, send them an email or shoot them a phone call or whatever it may be and say, Hey, listen, I like you want to see your students succeed. Here's how we can help facilitate that and support that through our organization, whether that's on career day or whether that's me coming in and talking about the benefits that exist in the industry or making our facilities available for a field trip or anything that just can begin to shed a little light on what it is that we do for these kids. But nobody's going to do it for you. Ryan, it's, you know, you got to pick up the phone and you got to actually make those calls. Otherwise you're just complaining about it. And that's just the cold, hard truth. So some really actionable stuff. It's super simple. Go to some local district websites. You can find vocational or CTE contacts or programs usually on that website. And there's somebody, there's usually a name or an email address, somebody that you can contact. If you can't find that, the career counselor is a really great place to start. And listen, they get bombarded with emails daily, just like you do, just like everybody out there does. You got to be patient. You got to be persistent. And at the end of the day, you're not selling, you're supporting. And eventually that'll shine through. You just got to stay persistent with it. As you were talking, I was just thinking that, yeah, this is the long game. Yeah. Like you can't go do it for a month and go, well, that didn't work. Right. Like this is, this didn't get broken overnight. This isn't going to get fixed overnight. We're talking generations. Like we're talking a generation in time. So This is something you commit to for the next 20, 30 years as an organization. That's right. And people across the industry have to do that. One of the things I see happen a lot, and I'd love your take on that. I see a lot of social media posts. I see ads. I see when they're doing career days, those sorts of things. This idea of earn while you learn, Hmm. like become an apprentice, make money. And then there's always the, those memes. You've seen them, right? Like, this kid went to college, got his $100,000 in debt, but he's got his degree. And then there's the guy climbing the power pole going, well, this guy's not in debt. And he just cut off that guy's power because he didn't pay the bill. <laughs> right. And so it's this idea that you can learn something, get paid to do it, not end up in debt. But I think that's the only thing that I really see being communicated. Is, is that the right approach? Or are there other things that people should be thinking about as well? I think the most important thing is that people are thinking. I I don't know if it's a right or a wrong approach. I try to stay away from those words. (laughs) The thinking aspect of it is the most important part. The fact that it's on people's radars, the fact that we're talking about it, the fact that we know there's an underlying issue somewhere is probably the most valuable part. I'm a big advocate of the skilled trades and not having to have a college education to be successful either by your own terms or anybody else's. I've gotten some pushback on that, as you could probably imagine. But what I like to say is I'm not trying to discourage people from going to college. I'm trying to encourage the people that can't or don't want to, because you can be equally or more successful than those going to college, but it, it really depends on you. And yeah, in the skilled trades, we are very fortunate that we have this earn while you learn system. You can, I've said this before, if you're a listener and you are a a young person or somebody who wants to break into the industry or somebody like that, you go knock on the door of a plumbing company, of an HVAC company, of a 
food equipment repair company, if you knock on their door and say, hey, I'm willing to take out the trash for you, if you'll let me learn what it is that you do, I can almost guarantee you're not going to be turned away. That just doesn't happen yeah. for us. Yeah. People don't come knocking on the door like that. And I have had it happen once or twice, and I've hired those people both times because I can sense the drive. And if somebody wants to learn, I'm willing to teach them. When you think about that as compared to what could be for them, right? If they knocked on the door and they got an apprenticeship and they, and they started getting paid, even if it's a lower rate, even if it's minimum wage or a little bit more than minimum wage or whatever, if they're taking out the trash, right? They are getting paid. Whereas if they went to college and didn't know what they wanted to do, maybe they went just because they felt like somebody was forcing them or that's the only path to success as according to society or your, whatever they're reading or watching. And meanwhile, they're digging a hole of debt, right? And they're paying out all this money to learn something that they have no idea if they're going to use in everyday life, if they're going to use as a career. I mean, we've all heard that story, right? Where people have gone to college and then they end up getting a job in something not even remotely close to what they majored in. I think the statistics are pretty staggering on that. If I want to say the last time I heard, it was like in 2015, it was like 60% of people that graduated college are doing something that's not related to their major. Yeah. Well, I'm one of them. <laughs> Case in point. <laughs> so, so I think we might be at a hundred percent here right now, right? <laughs> and by the way, if you want to know, and he does not dance around this topic, but if you want to know what Josh thinks about college, pick up his book, Blue is the New White. He's very matter of fact about what he thinks about college. Now, Disclaimer, and I know Josh just agrees with this, but there are some professions like you need college. There yeah. are some. You can't operate on me like by watching a YouTube video. You're not going to perform yeah, 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 yeah. surgery by, by watching a, a YouTube short. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah, but definitely don't have to go to college if you don't know what you want to do. Like you don't have to do that. And I know that refrigeration is your thing. A lot of HVAC technicians, they got to have electrical experience. Like they're well-rounded guys. And I know that a lot of these techs, they can make north of six figures. If they hustle and they do it well and they do a good job, there are not a lot of professions out there that can say that without a degree. Well, exactly. I like to talk about that. That's only one part of the equation, though. It's the initial shock. That's the hook, I like to say, right, is that people didn't know you can make $100,000 plus as a technician, HVAC technician, refrigeration technician. I mean, hell, equipment, food service equipment technician. These guys are all capable of making six figures. Yeah. And it depends on them. It depends on their skill level, how much they're willing to sure. learn, what certifications they have, all of that. But it's more than possible. And I've seen it done mid-30s, which is pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, like I said, though, that's only the hook. You can pique people's interest with that, but you've got to keep it with something else. Sure. And that's why we talk about culture and we talk about investing. We talk about training. We talk so many opportunities to to reinvest in your people. But I think from... One of the things that I think a lot of people are missing, we all talk about pay. I mean, there are crane operators that make six figures. There are foremen and superintendents that make six figures. I mean, you pretty much any of the trades, you hustle and, and you do a good job and you're going to have a ticket for life. And that's another thing about this. I just read an article about the, the future of AI and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole right now, but it said something about 300 million jobs will be eliminated in the next five years yeah. because of AI. Last time I checked... Chat GPT is not going to be coming into your restaurant <laughs> at fixing your equipment. No. Uh, 
They're not going to be driving to your house. No. And so I think that there's a new narrative, new story we can share about the fact that the America was built on this infrastructure of the trades. If you're in the tech space and you're coding all day long, well, guess what? It was manufacturing that built those computers. That's right. It was electricians and plumbers that built the building you're in that, that made it so that you actually could access the internet. Like that was the trades that did that. That was not someone sitting behind a computer. And so I think that with what we're talking about now with so much around AI, and I know there's some people scared about that. I do think there's an opportunity if we play it right to really let people know, like, these are jobs that you're going to have for a long time. Like, you're not going to have to worry about your job being replaced by a computer anytime soon. Oh, absolutely. And I've had this conversation a few times, actually, in the last couple of weeks. And here's what I'll say about it too, right? Because there are some people in the industry that say, well, it's only a matter of when it happens, right? Where some kind of automation or some kind of AI or technology is able to do what skilled trades workers do. And I have my own argument to that. What I say is this, number one, the only spot from like an equipment repair standpoint, for instance, if we're taking HVAC, refrigeration, cooking equipment, that kind of stuff into consideration, the only aspect of what we do that could even begin to be considered as an automation or AI portion would be the diagnostic process. But the problem with that is how many millions of pieces of equipment are already in operation today? You can't Mm -hmm. upgrade a stove to recognize AI. You can't upgrade <laughs> yeah. a condensing unit yeah. to recognize chat GPT. It's not gonna it's not gonna work. So it's not an upgrade play, it's a replacement play, right? As new equipment comes yeah. into the market that is enabled with this kind of stuff, but how long is it gonna take to replace those millions of pieces in operation? It's gonna take at least a generation, maybe two. I don't even know that my kids will have to deal with that exactly. 100%. They're going to see more and more of it. But I think my washing machine, it plays chimes when there's a problem and I hold the app up to it and then it tells me what's wrong with it. And that's a brand new washing machine. Yeah. So to get to the point where we're talking about yeah. 20, 30, 50 years at least before I think that stuff is even starting to be commonplace. Yeah. There's so many, like, I know we keep talking about this, so many opportunities, so many things I, I want to just recap some of the things we said and then open it up for any final thoughts. But things that you can do if you're struggling to get people in the trades, yes, you can go out there and you can offer more money, you can offer better benefits, you can compete on that stuff, but that doesn't help the industry. And I think that we need to realize that there has to be a contribution to the industry from everybody, or this isn't going to get better. If we just keep taking from each other, it's just going to get worse. I mean, you look at the trucking industry right now, they just take from each other, take, take, take. And so what's happening? We're getting cars, trucks that drive themselves. We're going to find ways to do it. And so as an industry, that opportunity doesn't exist here. We need to make sure that we're growing people. And one of the ways to do that is community involvement, getting involved with the local groups like the one that you're involved in, being more than just the wrap on the side of your truck. Yeah. Have career days, reach out to the schools, let them know that people, kids can come to your facility and learn what it means to be in this. I don't know all the rules, but I'm sure that there's even opportunities for them to actually see the guys in action and be able to be a part of that. And then I loved what you said about thinking about ways to approach it. Not just saying, here's a way, but just be thinking about it. And just the fact that we need to start thinking of different ways. And you gave a bunch of examples and ways to do that. But the one I think wraps back to the beginning, which is just tell the new story. Yeah. Just tell that story and, and find better ways to do it. And I mean, you've got an amazing story that you're telling around WCE and what you're doing and where you came from and 
anybody that wants to see that, go check it out. It's right on the website. It's amazing. But I think that if we tell a different story, we're going to get different results. That's right. And the story is really cool. Everybody's got a really cool story to tell. So Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? Yeah, let me touch on that for just a second, because this is another barrier that I've seen when I've told people that they need to tell their story is people have looked me right in the eye and said, well, I don't have a great story to tell. Mm. And I don't know what it is, Ryan. I don't know if it's because of this narrative that we've been told for so long that even the people in this industry almost feel embarrassed about it, which I've seen, or that maybe it falls on there. They feel it falls on deaf ears as a society just because of of what they're talking about. That is not the case. Not in this day and age, not with the tools and the resources that we have in front of us to be able to tell our story. I mean, you saw mine, the one that I did not long ago for my company. And that's just one. That's just one of so many different stories that we have out there. And really, at the end of the day, all you're doing is telling people why you're happy, why you love what you do. And that's going to resonate. At the end of the day, that's going to resonate with whoever you tell it to. So you just need to tell it. I love that. Yeah. And we do have so many stories and we meet with clients all the time. We help them tell their story. And so often they're like, I don't have a story to tell. I'm like, no, I guarantee you have an amazing story to tell. (laughs) And that's the thing. So many people that are in the trades, they grew up in the trades. They never thought about that creative, that marketing. They've never really put the effort towards that. But get with your marketing team and have them get that story out of you because I promise you have an amazing story to tell. Yeah. Josh, this has been great. I know that you've got some free content or a giveaway for our listeners. So if you want to share a little bit about that, let them know how they can get that. Absolutely. No, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Ryan. Again, this has been fantastic. For anybody watching or listening, if you just shoot me an email at josh at bluesthenewwhite.com, I'd be more than happy to give you a free chapter of the book so you can see what it's all about. Also, feel free to visit bluesthenewwhite.com to see all of our podcasts and all of our content that we put out revolving around the industry and the trades, and more importantly, the people in it, yeah. right? I think we're on episode almost 150 now, and nice. just some incredible people have come on to, again, tell their story. And maybe one of those will, will resonate with you or with somebody that you know. Yeah, and there's no shortage of ideas in 150 episodes, <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> so if you're looking for ideas on how to get the next generation involved in the trades, that definitely a podcast to check out. Josh, thank you so much for being here today. I've really enjoyed it. It was great. And I know that what you're doing over at WCE and your community involvement, and everything else, you're making an impact here locally. And I think it's awesome. Thank you for that. I appreciate it, Ryan. Thanks again for having me on. Bud. Ryan England here. Thank you so much for listening to Titans of the Trades. If you're a titan in the construction, manufacturing, or skilled trades industry and would like to be a guest on my show, please visit podcast.corematters.com. If you found value in this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot on your phone and share it with a friend or post it on social. And if you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Titans of the Trades. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, click the subscribe button. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and get me one step closer to solving the labor crisis facing the industry. Want to know more about how we're doing that? 
go to our website or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.